So it's not about perfection. It's about having the conversations and believing in the, you know, the value of your employees is sort of what my takeaway was. And that I think is very empowering. especially for people of color, we need to start thinking more about sponsorship, right? Because, you know, mentoring is not enough. It's, it's not, it's not enough to, um, to get, you know, people of color, um, into those doors, right? Into those rooms where, you know, they've been historically excluded, right? So how do we make sure that, you know, our marginalized communities are being represented in the right places within the workplace? Then they went on to share their benefits, which I immediately emailed back and said, where's the parental leave to only find out there was no policy. When I went on site for my final interview, they walked me around and showed me all the perks, which included ping pong tables and weekly happy hours and free lunches. And I looked around and thought, I'm not represented in this demographic. I don't care to go to happy hours. I don't care for free lunches. I don't want to play ping pong. I want to get out of work and go home and live my life. And so I declined this offer, but in doing so, I had a very empathetic hiring manager who wanted to sit down and understand why. And I actually gave him feedback on best practices. And I felt the need to start this inclusion resource group when I found out there are some areas Indeed can really improve. The other thing is with our mission to help people get jobs, I knew that with a global workforce that we represent of people looking for jobs, as well as a global um, group of employers, we could really advance this conversation of what does work and life integration look like? What is a new way of working that can be more inclusive? So here we are, we launched during the pandemic and the Parents and Caregivers Inclusion Resource Group has grown to over 1,200 members worldwide very quickly. This is Level Up, a Mother Honestly podcast powered by Indeed. The last two years have been about mothers taking a step back to support our families as we navigate the post-pandemic future of women at work. We are back, ready to level up personally and professionally. We host real and honest conversations with global leaders in parenting, business, work, and life, providing step-by-step solutions for your next level. I am your host, Blessing Adesion, founder and CEO of Mother Honestly, a chemical engineer, energy, supply chain, and operational excellence leader, and a mother of four. You will also hear from my friend and co-host, Andrea Molan, founder and CEO of Victory Public Relations and mother to two boys. We are here to level up with Indeed. Today we have two amazing women, Stacy Peters, Manager of Learning Operations at Indeed. Our role leads a learning operations group that drives effective learning experience. We also have Sherry Wynn, a longtime Austinite. She is a proud daughter of Vietnamese immigrants 
and the first in a family to graduate college. I am so excited to introduce you to these two amazing women. And I also should add that Sherry is a product marketing manager at Indeed and also the founder and co-chair of the Parents and Caregivers Inclusion Resource Group, as well as Stacey Peters, who I introduced already. She is the co-founder and the co-chair of the Black Inclusion Group. Andrea, I mean, I was blown away with those two. Truly. I was truly inspired by the work that is done to really support Indeedians and to really drive home this messaging around care and inclusion. How about you? So much so. And not only, first of all, they are just two very impressive women um, and with a lot to teach all of us, I would say. Um, and I think that what's really heartening is how truly they demonstrate the fact that indeed this huge corporation that is making these really tremendous claims is following through on that. They are truly putting, to use the old cliche, their money where their mouth is and they're walking the walk. And I hope that they, that indeed is looked at as an example for other companies. You know, when indeed, when, you know, when we started talking to Indeed about a partnership with Mother Honestly, one of the biggest fears that I had was, oh my word, you know, what if they have this, you know, skeleton in their closet and what if they're not, yeah. you know, who they say they are. And I mean, I continue to be in awe of just everything that they, they do for their employers. I'm sorry, for their employees, whether it's unlimited pay time off or, you know, parental leave for all um, caregivers, um, including, you know, flexible work. There's, there's so many things that Indeed does that, you know, I'm like, gee, should I quit my job and go work for Indeed? What do you think, Andrea? Yeah. Do, we, do we need to quit? It's truly, like, I should start the, we should start an Indeed fan, like, fan club, number one. And I think part of it is that the, you know, what struck me in the conversation, and I hope, you know, obviously our listeners, listeners will hear this, was that it really is sort of just the small steps that Sherry and Stacy described taking that have led to such movement and such change. And I can't remember, I don't recall which of them said this, but they described, you know, there's still work to be done and indeed is not perfect. And, you know, they referenced that there was a situation where there was a longer leave time, parental leave time being offered. So it's not about perfection. It's about having the conversations and believing in the, you know, the value of your employees is Absolutely. sort of what my takeaway was. And that I think is very empowering. I love that. I love that. I think something else stood out to me, which was what Stacy said around mentorship um, versus sponsorship and the reality that, you know, especially for people of color, we need to start thinking more about sponsorship, right? Because, you know, mentoring is not enough. It's it's not it's not enough to um, to get, you know, people of color um, into those doors, right? Into those rooms where, you know, they've been historically excluded, right? So how do we make sure that, you know, our marginalized communities are being represented in the right places within the workplace? So I thought that was very powerful. Um, another thing that stood out to me, honestly, was what Sherry said, you know, around as women, just the idea, right, that we are doing too much, we're all doing too much, and it's starting to show. It's starting to show as, you know, this huge mental load 
um, and it affects our mental health and affects, you know, our ability to feel safe, you know, psychologically in the workplace. So I thought that was very interesting. And I can't wait for our listeners to hear more about from these two powerful women who have literally spent a lot of time working in ERG groups within Indeed. And something else that, you know, that I was excited to learn about was that they were being paid for leading the ERG yes. group. So it's not free labor because everyone who listens to this podcast know how upsetting it is to me um, when we yeah. do unpaid work. And so I was very relieved um, to hear that once again, Indeed is going above and beyond to... Um, you know, to embrace this concept that, you know, women shouldn't be, you know, providing unpaid work, um, especially not in workplace. That was a surprise to me too. Mm -hmm. A very pleasant surprise that I thought I misheard at first, Um, you know, in a time where paid leave is not the norm yet. And we have all these childcare is not subsidized. Um, I found that incredibly, incredibly hopeful. Absolutely. Let's dive in because I think this is a long one. So let's dive in. Yes. Thank you. Hi, Sherry. Hi, Stacy. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Mother Honestly podcast where we are leveling up with Indeed. And um, this today, it's very special because you guys are joining us from Indeed. So we're very excited to hear about how you guys can think and your perception around issues of working motherhood um, that we're really trying to tackle through this podcast and through conversations like with people like yourselves. So thank you so much. Um, I'm just super excited. Um, welcome, Sherry Ween and Stacy Peters. Uh, we're so excited to have you today. Um, I am thrilled because finally um, we have Indeed here on the podcast. And as you all know, the podcast is about leveling up with Indeed, which um, Andrea just chatted about. Um, I am a mother of four. Um, I feel like we're all mothers on this podcast. So maybe we just do a quick round robin of how many kids we have, where, um, you know, what kind of work we're doing. Um, So I'll go first. I think all the folks um, that listen to us at home already know about me, but I'm a mother of four for those who don't Remember, um, I have Tayo, who is 13. I have Dekomi is four. Derry is two and a six-month-old. So it's a full house, but we are we are getting it done somehow. I mean, I don't know how I'm still standing, but we're getting it done. So Andrea, do you want to tell us how many? Yes, of course. I'm so glad to um, you know talk about this because it's such an important part of who we are obviously as working moms i have two sons jack jb is nine and wesley is six and so i'm in a recently i'm in a new stage of parenthood where my kids are big kids and we're encountering different challenges and for a lot of time while my kids were babies i thought to myself well as soon as they are old enough to go to school all day without needing a million things from me and to get themselves you know to contribute to getting themselves ready in the morning it is going to be easy and so i'm learning that that's not necessarily the case um sherry can you share with us what your background is your family background is Yes, thank you. Thank you, Andrea, and blessing for having me. I'm so thrilled about Indeed's partnership with Mother Honestly and happy to 
share the space today with the lovely Stacey Peters, whom I love and respect. My name is Sherry Wynn, pronouns are she and her. I am Senior Manager of Product Marketing for our small and medium business employers at Indeed. I also advocate for working parents and caregivers. I am mom to five-year-old Amaya, who is starting kindergarten this year, which I am simultaneously excited about and also um, just nervous trying to research schools, potentially consider moving, thinking about what this next phase and this milestone will mean for her um, in starting in her education. So excited, nervous, also happy to be here today. Thanks for having us. Um, really excited to be here with Sherry. I am a mom, single mom of one. I tell people I got a three-in-one special, so I don't mind. <laughs> um, uh, being single mom of one 13-year-old, so we just started the middle school thing, and I, I know everyone's kind of embarking on these different stages with their kids. It's just so interesting how you kind of think, okay, next phase, I don't have to worry about diapers, but then something takes the diapers phase space. Um, at Indeed, I run a learning operations group within the employee development team that sits in HR. And by night, I usually say I run the Black Inclusion Group, which is um, one of our inclusion groups to help build a better place for Black employees to work at Indeed. So really happy to be here. Thank you both so much. Sherry, you are a mother to a five-year-old, as you just mentioned, Amaya. Um, an advocate for working mothers and founder and co-chair of Parents and Caregivers Inclusion Group. Can you please share with us why you started the resource group and how women and caregivers are benefiting from this additional support? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, Stacy was the champion in my, in my corner from day one as we were getting this up and running. Um, a couple of years ago, this is 2019, before the pandemic and all hell broke loose, um, I was in a place where I was just searching for the next step in my career, wondering if that could be at Indeed, but also looking to see if the grass was greener elsewhere, which I honestly advise a lot of people to do being in the hiring space. It's, it's a great opportunity to interview, to see the market landscape, to understand your worth as well. Um, I interviewed for two jobs and got two offers in product marketing that would advance me in my position, uh, prom you know, promote to the next level. Um, both offers came with a huge increase in salary. One offer um, told me, one company told me, we're looking to attract senior talent like yourself. Um, but then they went on to share their benefits, which I immediately emailed back and said, where's the parental leave to only find out there was no policy. When I went on site for my final interview, they walked me around and showed me all the perks, which included ping pong tables and weekly happy hours and free lunches. And I looked around and thought, I'm not represented in this demographic. I don't care to go to happy hours. I don't care for free lunches. I don't want to play ping pong. I want to get out of work and go home and live my life. And so I declined this offer. But in doing so, I had a very empathetic hiring manager who wanted to sit down and understand why. And I actually gave him feedback on best practices for what I thought a great leave could look like. Um, for how to implement um, lactation rooms on site. Um, I shared a bunch of documentation. 
I didn't actually think about this offer until a year later on LinkedIn. I saw that they rolled out a 20 week paid leave policy, which is actually a couple weeks longer than Indeed's. So it's really incredible to see. I also ended up getting another offer from a company. And while they had a 20 week leave policy, all these great benefits, and they said that they really support parents and even the hiring manager was a parent himself. Um, with that offer, I asked, I only negotiated on flexibility. I wanted to work from home one day a week. And they said, no, they said, I would have to prove myself for six months to show that I can do the job, that I know how to collaborate and that I can build relationships in person. And I declined because at the time I was working from home with Indeed whenever I wanted. And I love that flexibility and I needed that. And so this just goes to show you that, you know, as job seekers, I feel women, I feel mothers, parents and caregivers are very critical to the workforce. We're a big part of the economic makeup of this country and how much money we put into the system. Um, but we do demand a wide variety of things that are important for us in our day to day. So it, this led me to staying at Indeed and talking to people like Stacy and learning from the community and seeing Indeed is a great place to work. Sometimes you, you look to see if the grass is greener and you realize like I'm, I'm in a really good place but things can be better. And I felt the need to start this inclusion resource group when I found out there are some areas Indeed can really improve. The other thing is with our mission to help people get jobs, I knew that with a global workforce that we represent of people looking for jobs, as well as a global um, group of employers, we could really advance this conversation of what does work and life integration look like? What is a new way of working that can be more inclusive? So. Here we are, we launched during the pandemic and the Parents and Caregivers Inclusion Resource Group has grown to over 1200 members worldwide very quickly. And I'm very proud to lead this group and advocate for our needs at Indeed and uh, with the community. I wanna pause here and talk about our partner, Indeed. The last few years have forced women to rethink the role that work plays in their lives. In fact, flexibility has become a major priority for women going back to work. As a mother of four, I understand how important it is to have flexibility in your job. As much as I would love for things to always go according to plan, life with kids is unpredictable. Indeed can help mamas like you find a company that is empathetic and understanding of your needs because it's not just about finding a place to work it's about finding a job that works for you with indeed you can find a job that has the flexibility to fit your life not the other way around not to mention with indeed's work happiness report you can make sure a company scores well on the things that matters most to you like compensation, inclusion, and flexibility. Visit indeed.com slash betterwork to learn more about how Indeed is committed to helping women find better work. I love it. I love it so much. I mean, I'm like nodding my head because when I was in, um, I used to work for DuPont and I was part of the, the group that created the parents network and then I went to BASF and same thing there was no parents resource group and it was all about how do we 
get one started. And I think a lot of people benefited from that, especially during the pandemic when it became very clear that, you know, we couldn't combine work and family effectively. So kudos to you, Sherry. I, I mean, I'm just, I feel like I'm a fan girl of yours already. Um, Stacy, let me come to you. Um, I am particularly inspired by your role as the co-chair of the Black in Inclusion Group. Um, you foster an environment of growth and belonging for members of the African diaspora. And you also promote a diverse and inclusive work culture through, through the work that you do there. What are some of the key challenges this research group is solving and why is it so critical at Indeed? I think um, as time goes by, they're kind of changing, but still the same. So one, increasing the representation of Black employees in the company was a huge focus, especially when we started. Um, you know, in the tech world, we represent, I think, maybe 3% of the tech workforce in general. Um, and so there was this there's this challenge across the industry to increase representation um, within the Black community, um, in the tech space. But when you kind of go into specific companies and you take a closer look, many companies are not even on par with what's happening in the industry. There might be even less representation. And so we wanted to help do that. We wanted people to think about Indeed, people in the Black community to think about Indeed as a place to work, not just a place to you know, apply for jobs or on a website. Um, so we definitely started our work partnering with like talent acquisition, for example, um, trying to find spaces and places where black employees would or potential candidates would show up so that we can say, hey, like Indeed is a place where you can actually, you actually can work. Um, another challenge that came along with that, it's twofold. Once you bring people in, you want them to stay or you want the environment that you're bringing them into um, would be facilitating growth and you want them to thrive. And um, we, we're very, very passionate about shifting our internal culture to ensure that not only are we attracting talent from the Black community across the world, not just in the Americas, but also keeping the talent. Um, I think it's a huge loss whenever I, I know I feel it personally, whenever I hear about Black employees leaving the company, um, because it's just, it takes so much to kind of like get, bring us in. So our work spans across actually helping to create that, those spaces that will help them feel like they belong, um, safe spaces to connect with other Black employees, um, participate in different work activities or projects that they typically might ha have had access to in a traditional tech environment or just workplace. And then also um, helping with the business with products and services, just giving input around things simple as our own products, our ads, our, you know, helping to change policies around, you know, how people are how people are, are actually addressing, or maybe like our HR teams are addressing issues that might be really particular and specific to Black employees. Just give, making sure we're bubbling up those ideas to our business leaders to help actually affect change that's long lasting. 
And then we do some fun stuff too. I think that goes a long way. We saw that during the pandemic that we actually need more connection than we ever thought we did. And so creating activities and fun interactive events and intersectional events. We did an event with parents and caregivers. I think we had a versus battle that highlighted some of the issues around Black women's health, um, Black maternal health. And we just really find fun ways to educate people in the business and also ourselves. Um, so that's like the short story, you know, a short synopsis of some of the things we're solving for. But can I jump in and ask Stacey uh, to talk a little bit about um, in the retention efforts of upleveling the Black community's uh, careers as well with Meet the Execs? Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, Meet the Execs. Yes. So last, is it last year? I feel like with 2020, I have like a hard time figuring out how many years ago. But last February, last Black History Month, um, Verna Lee James, who was the co-chair alongside me in the Americas, um, she came up with this idea. Well, we always talked about like development of our members, but she really um, kind of came up with this idea to have a means for our employees to connect with senior leadership to create or foster these um, connections that can lead to sponsorship because we know sponsorship actually moves the needle on your career. Mentorship is great, but sponsorship has a different um, function to actually move things. So um, with that, she came up with this idea of creating something called Meet the Execs. Like we get Black employees to get some quality time with our senior leadership. So we went to our senior leadership team um with our executive sponsor by our side and the dimb team supporting of course um to ask them to sign up to volunteer to kind of mentor small cohorts of black employees it was like the first iteration of this we kind of didn't know how it would would end but deep down inside we knew it was something that every we needed um, and it has been an amazing experience, both for the employees and our senior leaders. We had eight SLT members, um, including our CEO, sign up to volunteer. Um, they met with these employees for two 90-minute sessions. The first one was kind of like an intro, get to know the folks. And there were about maybe about eight people max in, in these groups. Um, and the second session was kind of a little more structured, talking about a specific um, problem. Um, we had some pre-work, some articles for them to read. And it, what it did, it sparked these conversations that probably never would have ever happened if those spaces weren't created for the employees. Um, some of the leaders continued to meet with their groups on a monthly basis all the way through the end of the year. And we saw with at least two groups, um, 75 to 80% of them moved in their careers, the, the actual participants and employees. So we know that it's it's working and we are, we, we're kicking off in the middle of kicking off the second iteration of this. And I'm hoping it's a program that will continue to go on um, long after we even need a black inclusion group to just continue to create those opportunities to foster uh, mentorship and, and sponsorship. And I think, 
I always stress the sponsorship part because we we men we have mentors. We can get, get mentors from each other, right? Um, but just having someone who can help you really navigate the space and move your career along, I think that's not something that's easy to find. And if we can do that for a handful of employees at least, I think we'd have done a lot. Um, so really, really happy to see that it's been successful and um, we're iterating on it and hopefully it might expand beyond just the black inclusion group it's just that we want to make sure um, black employees tend to kind of get like the second third fourth you know piece within most organizations so we want to make sure we um, kind of have them at the the forefront for the first couple of iterations of the program but really excited and can't wait for it to expand Sherry, um, it's critical that we acknowledge the heightened pressure on working mothers today that are most likely, these pressures that are most likely contributing to the increased rates of mental health challenges reported by women over the past year. Can you share some of the stories you've been hearing and how women can access support and relief as we step into the post, hopefully the post-COVID era? Yeah, uh, this is such a important topic and and i think it's very expansive given everything that is happening in the world um right now you know we've been through a lot the last couple years and i think it feels unrelenting right it feels like you know you can say the the pandemic hit in 2020 and then george floyd and then all the violence against the Asian community, which is my community. Um, and now Ukraine, right? Just transgressions against the transgender community and all of that affects us, you know, all of us. Um, we have parents and caregivers from all walks of life who I think uh, just feel this unrelenting weight of too many things happening at one time. It's very overwhelming. Um, so I've I've heard a lot of stories of anxiety, um, especially anytime there's a surge in COVID. Uh, you know, a potential one looming. You know, not everybody's vaccinated yet, and I think we tend to forget that, um, especially our youngest. And and then every time a new current event happens, you know, all of that, and you still try to show up to work. You try to, for us at Indeed, a lot of us are starting to enter the office, which is another point of anxiety, especially for parents and caregivers um, with childcare or unreliable, inconsistent childcare with sicknesses going around. So there's, there's just a lot to navigate daily. You know, I think there's a lot of invisible labor that we don't talk about um, what's being done at home, what's being done at work, what we're navigating to protect our families and keep ourselves um, grounded. I see, I've seen a lot of stories of trauma, of burnout, of chronic stress, uh, and feeling pulled in multiple directions and feeling like not a lot of improvement has really been made. Um, and lastly, I've just seen a lot of systemic issues really come to a head, you know, things that we knew before the pandemic, but um, that have arisen. And I think, you know, it's two years later and 
honestly haven't felt like much progress has been made yet, at least not significantly. We're coming off the tails of Black History Month and Women's History Month. We've talked about uh, gender pay equity, but are we seeing the results? Uh, we've put paid leave you know, on the national scale and haven't made much progress yet either. Cost of childcare is surging um, or maybe less available as we've experienced closures um, and sick leave. I still think we haven't resolved all the compounding issues that hit uh, women, especially mothers, over these past couple years. So there's just a lot, but I'll give nod to hope and perseverance and seeing um, Katanji Jackson get confirmed yesterday. Uh, I think especially for um, all my Black sisters and mothers and for her daughter to get to see that historic moment you know, there is hope and perseverance because the thing I know about moms is like, I just talked about all the odds stacked against us, but every day we wake up and we persevere and we push on. So there is some hope and there is, I think, community where we can give each other space to grieve and grow and keep moving forward and lift each other up. So I'm thankful for where we are, but I still think we can do better. Absolutely, Sherry. I mean, I'm just, again, it's been over two years now in the pandemic. And we thought, right, when the pandemic hit, we're like, finally, everyone now understands how hard, you know, working mothers work in this country and how critical it is for us to have childcare, how critical it is for us to have flexible work and boundaries and a lot of these things. And we were hoping, right, that we would have employers and our policymakers start fixing a lot of these things. And we saw what happened with the, with the Build Back Better bill. We saw what happened with, you know, a lot of employers um, laying women off because there was a crying baby in the background. I mean, a lot of it was just really, I mean, it all of these things start to sort of add on to the mental load, right? Because a lot of times mom is already guilty for not spending time with their kids or for not being around for X, Y, and Z. And then now had on, you know, the guilt of maybe I'm not working hard enough. Maybe I'm not showing up enough for my team. Um, so really appreciate you providing us with more color around, you know, just how tough it has been in the last two years. Sherry, I want to come back to you. Um, a lot of this factors that we talked about, whether it's the lack of flexibility, unrealistic workloads, lack of boundaries, these things lead to poor mental health. And for women, this can be more de detrimental, right? Um, especially when we look at cases around microaggressions, um, caregiving responsibilities that still falls uh, mostly on women and various other factors. Um, for example, I when I was in corporate America, I do not mention my three kids, um, especially when we are in the presence of, you know, male stakeholders, right? Like, who cares about your three kids' blessing? So I just sort of zip it up. And that's because, you know, I'm scared, right? That, they'll, you know, we all know, right, that the only reason the maternal, um, the pay gap exists is because of the maternal bias. And so a lot of times we're not mentioning a lot of these different things. So from, from your standpoint, how can we change the workplace, right? It seems like there's a lot of things working well at Indeed. And so I want to sort of use Indeed as a case study, right? Like how can we build an inclusive culture that supports caregivers 
and also supports marginalized communities? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, Stacy really hit on some of the key things that we've been working on for Black Inclusion Group, but that's just even a microcosm of what we've been working on more broadly at Indeed. So I would say from the top, representation. Um, we promoted uh, four women into senior leadership over the past year. So uh, we have our GM of Enterprise, Maggie Hulse, our SVP of Operations, Lisa Ramirez. Um, we have our CMO who was hired, Jessica Jensen. I report into her. She's incredible. And um, LaFawn Davis, um, our um, Black queen, who is the head of ESG and formerly led our diversity, inclusion, and belonging team, which still fall, falls under her. Um, doing this is, is really incredible and important because it means they're all mothers and we can see ourselves in them. And I think that's really important. Um, and they have uplifted stories of caregiving during the pandemic while working. And I think that's been incredibly important. Um, we also indeed has normalized stories of caregiving when uh, these people actually show their children, uh, you know, coming on camera and use um, stories, human stories of uh, this week. We heard a VP, one of our vice presidents um, say, I, ha I can't make it to this first day of our, of this senior leadership offsite because my daughter is in surgery. And then our CEO, Chris Himes, took time when she did come back to ask her, how's your daughter doing? I'm so glad you took the time to be with her. That was more important, right? So seeing people represented in leadership, normalizing the discussion, having empathy. And um, I, we've been just sharing stories of bias in the workplace with managers and saying, did you know that men get a congratulations and a raise when they have kids, but moms, you know, face this motherhood penalty and sometimes lose in, in their earnings. And it's so powerful to have that story so that managers can say, oh, so this is a conversation. I need to have a performance with re review with someone when they go on before they go on leave and make sure I advocate for their career. Right. And then forming the include the inclusion resource group is just another opportunity to provide community for one another. So we don't scream out into the void, but we have empathy we have care with each other when we need it. Um, and lastly, I would say our inclusion resource groups were paid. We have budgets, so we're supported in the work we do. It's not free labor, um, but we also have direct lines to our senior leadership and to our benefits and policies team so that we can advocate for change, as Stacy said. Um, I think all of those things have to happen. And I think employers can do this. There just has to be a willingness. And so it indeed has shown me from the moment we applied for this inclusion resource group, we're willing and we're gonna back it up with power, with people and the finances. That is that is so good to hear. I know um, my friend Eve Rodsky talks a lot about, um, you know, ERG groups and the exploitation um, around you know, labor, which we know a lot of it is provided by women or, or people of color. So I'm so glad um, that Indeed is taking this um, step in ensuring that, you know, everyone is fully compensated for supporting, you know, great work like this. Um, Stacy, let's chat. Um, 
because, you know, I think for me, um, in my 15 years in corporate America, one of the biggest things, um, one of the biggest complexities, the fact that I'm a person of color, and then mm -hmm. on top of that, I'm a woman, and then on top of that, I'm a mother. Um, and so these layers of complexities obviously affects everyone, um, it affects people like you and I. Um, I think even add on top of that, being a single mom, right? And I remember being a single mom in corporate America and it was intense because it was just me and I wanted to prove myself. I wanted to do so much. So I was taking on everything, right? And anything at work, I'm raising my hand. And anything, you know, with the school, you know, with the kid, I'm like raising my hand because I want to like be the mom and the dad. I want to be fully present um, for those things. And so those things start to weigh you down, right? Um, it starts to weigh you down and it adds to your mental um, load. And of course, starts to stress you um, mentally and, and physically even. So the structures, right, that are, that are built right now in corporate America um, for how we're getting our work done is really built with men in mind, right? It's designed. And my friend, um, Resh Messerjani, she wrote a book called Pay Off, The Future of Women and Work. And one of the things she talks about is, you know, how can we design this workplace um, for, for men and then expect women to thrive or to flourish within the systems and the structures? And so, you know, I want to just hear more. How do you, like, can we get specific? especially when it comes to women, when it comes to women of color, when it comes to mothers and single moms, for example, like you, what are the simple ways? And I know Sherry touched on this already, but is there, what message do we want to send to corporate America right now to say, these are the things that you need to start doing? Step one, you know, tell us. Step two, like, what are the things, how do you, what did you think you needed um, you know, when you started your career as a, as a woman and as a person of color, that would be useful right now to other people. I think to continue off of what Sherry was sharing, we have amazing leadership at Indeed. Our senior leadership team has been very vocal about the well-being of the employees in general. And I think just hearing something like our CEO or mm -hmm. our you know, some someone like Maggie, who's the head of one of our GM groups, talk about their family, talk about their kids, um, letting it, letting people know, like myself, that it's okay to be human at work, letting people know that there is a huge part of success that actually that we probably didn't see in traditional corporate spaces, which includes things like rest and taking care of yourself and your mental health and being a good leader or the great leaders that we probably admire do a lot of those things and make and prioritize those important those things as very important and that wasn't something i had when i started off at indeed i just um just to give uh some context i've been at indeed whew, since 2011. Uh, we were three offices strong we have 20 something now i don't know how many sorry um, lost track. Um, and we had maybe, I don't know, just over a thousand plus employees. I, it was just much smaller. And at that time, when I started, I remember just seeing one other black woman in the office. 
And then she disappeared. I think she left at some point. And I remember saying to myself, I noticed that most of the people, my peers were much younger than me, even though I probably didn't look like I was a lot older, but they're much younger, just out of college. They, you know, they, the, the, the demographic that Sherry mentioned, like it was very different. I didn't fit into that demographic. I didn't fit into the, you know, profile of an Indeed employee, I think very early on, I, I recognized that. I had a two-year-old and I had to get them to daycare in the morning, pick them up at a certain time. I, you know, I remember at one point um, a manager had threatened to take away my quote unquote flex hours. These were, I had agreed to come in earlier and leave at an earlier time um, and take international calls in my job when I, when I negotiated coming into the company. And it wasn't just for fun. I had to pick up my child at a certain time or I'll be charged every single day. I was late. And so when I went through an experience where that was, that was something that was being put on the table to be taken away, I felt like it was just really inconsiderate. It wasn't something that was thought through and it was not, there weren't a lot of folks like me to help emphasize the importance of something like that. So I think empathy is very, very important. We need that as women, we need that as black women, as you know, Asian women, women in general, mothers. And I think there's another layer, um, being a single mom, um, not sure if you felt this way, as well, or even as a mom, there's some level of shame that sometimes we go through because society puts this this stereotype on us as being not, you know, even up to par with moms who have partners. And so you have this, syn you know, imposter syndrome of trying to feel like prove that you can do just as well and perform just as well and you can meet your deadlines and you can, you can do all the things um, at the detriment of your own mental health a lot of times. And you, you try to kind of, I know I've done it too. You try to put this strong front, like I got it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of it because that's what we do. But eventually in order to grow and move forward, you can't take that with you. At some point in time, like many points in time, I should say, I had to stop and just say, all right, I need to take, PTO, even if it's just a day to just breathe. And I think having unlimited PTO at Indeed was a huge godsend when we switched over to that, you know, structure, because now I didn't have to like check the change, so to speak, on like the PTO hours I, I, can, I can take. I know that also comes with its own um, burden of not wanting to look like you're taking too much TTO and then you end up not taking any at all. I went through that phase as well. Um, but it's so important to have those spaces for rest. It's so important to have your boundaries respected um, and not kind of chucked up to, hey, you know, you're a parent or you're a mother or you're, you know, it's really important that, you know, leadership is behind you when you have those conversations with your frontline managers that this is okay. You know, I, it's okay for me to take a break. It's okay for me to say the workload is too much. It's okay for me to, you know, 
arrange my life. I have a, a thing that I say to my direct reports. I don't care how you get there. Just get get it done. You know, work the way that works best for you so that you give me your your best work, your good work. And let me know how I can help you do that. Um, and I think it, it's helpful when you have leaders and managers that support you in that way. And be and them being being open to knowing that there are multiple ways of getting to the end result and trusting the people they've hired, trusting the leaders they've put in place and the employees they have in place to, to get it done. I think when you know your manager trusts you and, and you want to you want to make sure you cherish that and you continue to build on that and you, you do better work. Um, and that's, I think that's really, really important, making sure leadership is vocal about what they stand for when it comes to how they treat their employees, especially their parents and those who are caregiving as well. I know we talk about moms, but we have some folks who also caregive family members. Thank you, Stacy. I think that, um, that segues really well into our next question, which is the idea that, um, you know, an organization that's not as large as Indeed or as, um, you know, open-minded as Indeed, how for those organizations and individuals who work in those organizations where there aren't inclusion and caregiver resource groups, what are some practical ways that we can advocate for mental health? And this was, the question is posed to Sherry, but I think that you both have really great insight that can help bring awareness, you know, help shed some light into that, you know, the, the circumstance I think a lot of women find themselves in. And I own a small agency where we are, a, our mission is to create environment, um, you know, oppor professional opportunities for women while they also have the home life and the personal life, whatever that looks like to, for them. Um, and so how would, but we still struggle and we struggle with our client relationships sometimes because we do want our clients to know how important they are to us while also prioritizing the personal lives of our employees. So what are some practical ways that we can balance those two things out and how can we empower individuals in all organizations to raise their hands when they're feeling that squeeze and not be fearful that it's going to, that they'll be penalized for that. So that was for Sherry. I know it's a big question. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm, I, I think back to two years ago when companies were putting Black Lives Matter on their website and posting squares and stop Asian hate. And there's so much virtue signaling around that was like, let's be frank, you're doing this for your brand, right? And we were all rallying behind, show me the receipts. Um, I think that there is no easy fix and no change. I absolutely hate it when people ask me, what are some quick tips or what are some things I can do? But I would say cost is not really the factor for a smaller company. It's a commitment. It's a willingness and a commitment and be specific. And I would say start off by asking people what they need. I mean, as a woman of color in the workplace, I, I can't tell you how good it feels just to be seen and acknowledged and just ask me what I need and I will tell you. Um, and I think that we then need to be willing to confront discomfort. Um, 
right now we have this uh, incredible initiative called Dare to Share, where there's this Slack channel that's created and people are sharing their pay, compensation, equity, bonuses, everything, and just laying it out on the line. And it stems from our pay equity campaign that we've put out into the world. Um, there's no cost to that, but what is it doing? I mean, it's creating safe spaces for us to try to address some of the real trauma and the inequities that are happening in the workplace. And, you know, pay is one of those. Um, indeed, and now this this did have a fee to it, but we've been working with uh, Raj Kumari from iRestart on a program called Biology of Belonging, where we've been addressing trauma in the workplace, especially trauma for uh, underrepresented communities. I think that we can't circle around the fact that people haven't lost people in the last couple of years, right? That people haven't suffered a lot, that the world is unhealthy in many ways and burnout is a result of a lot of that trauma. And we need to address that. You know, I start all my team meetings with a two word check-in. How are you feeling? And we end with what do you need and how can we help? Um, psychological safety is, is a commitment and it's a way of showing up every day that is, I see you, uh, I'm here, what can I do? And then delivering on that and being accountable to it, right? And so Indeed has these great mental health benefits such as our um, support link. We offer a benefit where you can call in and get scheduled with a therapist and you have several sessions that you can use throughout the year. And they've advanced to have more people of color, you know, therapists that look like me that was feedback that we gave them. We need to see more of this. And so um, I do think there's some things that come with costs, but the really basic things I would say is just commit to the long term, um, be human and show vulnerability too. I think it makes a difference when our leaders say I'm struggling right now, which our leaders often do. We do a Q and A worldwide Q and A every week. Most people will start with how they're feeling. You check out our here to help podcast, like, our CEO is always asking, how are you doing? And I think that that goes a long way. Um, but I'd love to see uh, from Stacy's perspective what she has to add to that. And with that, we can end the podcast. Sherry just gave us the word we needed to close it all out. But I a thousand percent echo everything she shared. Um, it's There isn't an easy fix. There isn't a quick fix. It, it, quite honestly, as I said, I've been here for a long time, going on 11 years now, um, which is actually wild. And to be honest with you, like it took 11 years for Indeed to get to this point. This didn't, this didn't happen last year. This didn't happen just in the pandemic. It took a lot of no's from IRG to IRG leaders um, for things that we were asking for. And what we were doing, um, Sherry, a perfect example, Sherry kind of gathered people in a room. Here's what I'm thinking about our maternal leave policies. And it was just a, a grassroots group of employees that wanted to make a change. And um, we supported each other, you know, in, in whatever little way we can. You might not be able to like, lead the charge, you know, as, as Sherry did, you know, I already had the black inclusion group, but I was like, where can I help? Like, do you need like my research on something or 
just finding people who are connecting with others who may be going through a similar challenge is one thing you can do as an individual so that you can know that you're not alone. That might give you a little bit more courage to maybe have a conversation or ask a question to your manager. Um, storytelling has been a huge tool for us, um, the underrepresented groups, the IRGs. We've been telling stories. It has been one of the most powerful things that we've done to help shift the culture. Um, and storytelling with data, when you add the facts to that story, this is the percentage, this is the pay gap. This is not, we're not making this up. This is the, the data says. And it's not just unique to the world outside of Indeed, it happens here. Or this is not just happening in another team, it's happening here. Showing the data points, not just the numbers, but the qualitative data helps you to have some kind of like, you know, arsenal with you, so to speak. Is that the right word? But, you know, some kind of tool with you to share, hey, this is what I need. And not, not, be, not just me, but it seems like a lot of women need this. A lot of families need this. And we have not, as a company, we, it doesn't seem that we're focused on this. I'm, I'd love to know why. Maybe asking more questions might also trigger um, leadership to think about things. Sometimes because no one's saying anything, it's not being thought about. And it always has, it always starts with a handful of people. It's not, it, to this day, it's not 60,000 Indians uh, at the forefront asking those hard questions. It's your, it's your brave few, it's your Sherry's of the world that are like, hey, you know, I'm asking this question on behalf of not myself only, but some folks here. And so if you're a brave voice, you know, it's okay. Somebody has to do it. It's okay to take, take that first step and trust yeah. me, somebody's behind you to make sure you don't fall all the way back. Yeah. Thank you so much, Stacey. And thank you, Sherry, for this very enlightening conversation. Um, before we wrap officially, can we, do you have a few moments to do our lightning round with us? A little bit of fun so our listeners can get to know you guys um, more personally. Hybrid or remote work? What's your take? We'll start with Stacy, and we'll go to Sherry. Remote. Awesome. Sherry, for you. Hybrid. Um, we just had our first back to work kind of big old thing this week, and I got so many hugs, and it so filled nice. me. But um, my hybrid's going to be more like once a month, not not very regular. Tea or coffee to kick off productivity and level up. What's your What's your energy boost? I'm a tea girl. Share, uh, Stacy. Sorry. Lite the tea. That's me. Awesome. <laughs> Coffee in the morning, uh, tea in the afternoon, but I prefer to jump on my skateboard in between meetings and get a little energy boost that way. You skateboard? We need to talk about this. Cool. Trying to be cool mom over here. <laughs> Drop off, pick up, or both? Sherry, you want to start this one off? On your skateboard, maybe? <laughs> I know. She's trying to learn. Uh, I do drop off. My husband does pickups. Both. 
daycare or nanny or babysitter? Well, we're in daycare, but about to ship her off to the public school system. <laughs> awesome. If I had a little one, I would love to have a nanny. I would love it, but. Thank you both so much. Thank you for listening to the Mother Honestly podcast, a production of the Motor City Woman. Before you go, the Mother Honestly membership is open. We offer programs and toolkits that support you on the home front and work front. Corporate memberships are also available for employers looking to provide real solutions to employees at home and at work. Our Mother Honestly team are Robin Kinney, Audrey Goodson Kingo, Christine All, Oluchi Obonaya, Fumbi Shawande, and more. Follow us on social media at Mother Honestly. And remember to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Your reviews are important to us. Leave us a review and share with a friend. Come back next week as we level up with Indeed.